1: Welcome to Barca Talk, part of the Blaugranogram podcast network. I'm Brian Henderson in Buffalo, New York. We're off this week with the uh, international break interrupting the club schedule, but we did put out an episode last Friday for our members on Patreon. In that episode, we got an update on FCB Femini, who are having a magnificent season so far. We got that from Charlie Barca. And then Gabriel and Craig got into some topics that came in through the WhatsApp group we have with our patrons. So patrons sent in questions and things they were thinking about, and Gabriel and Craig responded. The big topic that they got into in that was Michael Laudrup, just reminiscing and discussing the uh, legendary Barca midfielder, Michael Laudrup. So every Friday on Patreon, we give our members an extra episode. Next Friday, we'll be scouting Atletico Madrid ahead of Barcelona's match against them in the return of La Liga. So support the Blaugranogram podcast network on Patreon to get that and more members-only content. There's a link to join in our show notes. Now, here's just one part of the Michael Lodrup segment from the Friday episode.
0: You know, we have a WhatsApp group for our Patreons, and so Mm. I put the question to them and I said, you know, what do you guys want us to do this Friday since it's international break? And they wanted us to talk about Lodrup because some of the people in the Patreon group don't know who he is and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the bad blood. And I would say it's definitely less or at least bad blood of him going to Madrid than the Figo fiasco, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but um, I first want to ask you, what is kind of like the first thing
2: that comes to your mind when I say Michael Lodrup? Um, it's a difficult question because this, he's so multi-layered, which I know doesn't answer your question at all, but you're right. It's, the first thing that jumps into into my mind is probably that he played for Madrid. But then instantly, I'm all right with that. Whereas if you speak to me about Luis Figo, I get angry. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, it, it, it's probably that in all honesty. And then I think what you have to do with Michael Laudrup is I think you can't snap opinions of Michael Laudrup very hard. He's a player that really does need time. You need to digest him. You need to enjoy him. And that was kind of the way he played as well so that that's my that's my instant reaction is that it's a difficult it's a difficult question for me what about you yeah well I have here on our notes um so the nineteen eighty six World Cup was my
0: first introduction to world soccer and just soccer in general. Mm. And I remember a couple of those matches. Um, I wish I could say I remember the hand of God, but I do not. (laughs) I I don't remember watching that match live, right? It's more of kind of one of those things in retrospect. But I do, one of the matches I clearly remember was the 6-1 Denmark game against Uruguay. I don't know why. I don't know if it was because there was a lot of goals. I don't know if it was a Saturday. I can't remember all these things. But I did Mm. remember the Denmark team. And I remember my father telling me, You see the way they play, how they play attacking, like that's fun football, right? And I remember that as the Denmark team. So looking back, I always thought about Lodger because I knew he had Barcelona history. So Mm. that's the first thing that comes to my mind. I always remember this 1986 World Cup because also it was the first time, Craig, that we got a VCR and we recorded all the World Cup matches, you know? So it was like a big deal in our house. And then the other thing, too, I just think of, you know, he's kind of like the first version of Iniesta for me in that, like the elegance and class of a football
2: player. That's literally it. I've got one, I've got one note in front of me about yeah. it, and it, and it, because I thought I would never forgive myself if I don't mention this. And, and and that's that for anyone who doesn't know Michael Laudrup and who isn't going to go and take the journey back and watch extensive clips of him. If you can imagine Iniesta playing in the late eighties, early nineties, that's, that's the best way I can think of to describe him. The love that we have for Don Andres, imagine imagine that 25 years ago and that was Michael ladro it's, it's a great analogy and that, yet yeah, that's the only notes I have in front of me for this was that it, <laughs> it is the perfect way of describing him. Just elegance, class, grace, humble, hardworking, well-spoken, intelligent, articulate, a great guy and I, and I think, and I'm sure we will come on to it, I think that's why there's no bad blood is because in the same way that you can't hate Iniesta, you know, Madridista's Espanol fans, you can't hear Iniesta. You can't hear Michael Laudrup. It's impossible. He's too good.
0: Yeah, and and that's the thing. I mean, I would say he's kind of the first version of Iniesta, and Iniesta's kind of the 2.0 version of that. Uh, just you know, with his first touch, his pass. Obviously, Laudrup kind of developed the croqueta move, but Iniesta mm-hmm. mastered it to another level, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, I was watching some highlights today just to kind of get refreshed on his playing career. And I just kind of want to start in his early playing career because you know Laudrup. It comes from Denmark, right? And Denmark is not a highly touted football factory. You know, even in the eighties, not even now. You know, there's mm-hmm. obviously some some bright players that have come out there, like Peter Schmeichel's the first one that comes to my mind, and maybe the mm-hmm. louder up, you know. But at that time I'm, you know, looking at his career, you know, he he starts at Bromby basically and then goes to he almost signs for Liverpool. Mm. And, you know, Liverpool at that time were the biggest club in in England, essentially. And it's funny because I was watching uh, the documentary on him and it was basically saying that he wanted a three-year contract and they offered him a four-year contract. And he Mm. basically took a chance on himself. And went to Juventus, and yeah. you know Juventus at that time was the powerhouse in Italy. I mean, they still are, but even more back then when mm-hmm. when Serie A was the the best league in the, in the world, essentially. And he played at Lazio because he got loaned out. He didn't realize he yeah. can get loaned out, and that's kind of like the eye opening experience to what a club
2: can do to you. They can sign you and then immediately show you the back door yeah. to loan you. And there's there's a lot to unpack there as well, isn't there? I mean, even before you know we haven't even even hit Barcelona yet, but it's it's an interesting segue into lots of different areas which is one the move the move to italy for such a for a man who is so softly spoken and quiet at the time at the time you've got to think how brave that was because you know the scandinavian countries i often joke and say that in scandinavia they speak better english than people in england do you know so the the logical move as well as the footballing logical move would have been to go to england because of the language etc the climate the, the distance so to go to Italy was a very big move, and then the other thing is, you know, you mentioned him getting loaned out, and that would follow him throughout his career, wouldn't it? With the, because at the time there was a um, a three foreigners rule in play, yep. and yep. you could only have three players that weren't domestic, um, and that would that would follow him through, and and that that is, I think, the most interesting aspect of Laudrup's career is that despite. The fact that you could argue, and many did, Pep did, for example, I'm sure you will come on to that, that Laudrup was the best player in Europe at the time. He often fell foul mm. of the three foreigners rule because of where he played and where sure. he could play. So that that Lazio move, was kind. Of, that would kind of follow him through his career. And it's a very interesting thing to unpick because could you imagine Iniesta getting loaned out because we wanted to play, at the t- I don't know, Bojan instead at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy, yeah. but because Bojan was a kind of a number nine and Ladrup could play wherever, that's kind of what he battled early in his career. So I think as well as the obvious talent he had at an early age, there's a lot of determination in there as well, even as a youngster, to make that move and to go on loan, etc. A lot of grit there.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's that's a really good point. You know, I'm always a big proponent. Like I do not like this foreigners rule even today. You know, I just think Mm -hmm. world football should just open its borders and just let, you know, it's it's a, I think it's such an old archaic rule, but anyway, um, you know, obviously he spent a couple seasons playing for Lazio, then eventually moved to the big team of Juventus, where he got to play with Platini. So that's mm-hmm. pretty impressive to be able to play with Platini at that time. Um, obviously they he played six years in Italy, and then decided that it was a time for a move. He thought that uh, he did he never wanted to stay at one place for too long, and I thought that was mm-hmm. pretty insightful because you know a lot of players either move too much or they stay too long. Mm-hmm. And I feel that Lodrig was kind of fit the mold of like six years in Italy and then makes the move to Barcelona because of Cruyff and understanding the football. Obviously, you said the Scandinavian and mm. you know Denmark and, and, um, and Netherlands are neighbors. And so he understands what Cruyff was going to bring. And so he went to Barcelona after six years in Italy.
2: Yeah. And, you know, it, at the time, if you think about what the state Barcelona was in, after Laudrup leaves, then fine. There's a European Cup there. There is there is several league titles there. That's another brave move because, you know, historically, and we've had this conversation when we spoke about you know uh, the current situation of the club, and we we've said you know things could always be worse, and you know Laudrup doesn't join a particularly buoyant, particularly successful club in Barcelona. It's another move that you have to look at it in isolation and say fair play for going because. Uh, you know, it, new culture, new climate, new language, new team. And if, if you're logical at that time, you go to Madrid. You don't go to Barcelona. So again, a lot of credit for that move. And, and, you know, he would find some some problems, but a lot of success at Barcelona. It's a really interesting time in our club's history. And he was a big part of it.
0: For sure. That's a good point. I mean, he even said that, you know, when, when interviewed and talked about the, the team, he said, before I got there, we were not the dream team. We were just no. a couple, we were just guys, you know, playing together. Mm. And, you know, obviously it's kind of the combination of the philosophy and then also those players grasping that philosophy and being the mm-hmm. philosophy perfect for those players that developed into the dream team. But like, you know, I, I just thought that was an interesting point because, you know, those players, you know, especially the Basque players coming to Barcelona, they were not the highest touted players mm-hmm. of Spain, you know, like Cruyff just found something in them that he wanted to bring and and they eventually developed into that. So that's a really good point because, you know, if you really wanted to go, Go straight to the winner you're going to madrid not to barcelona at that time 100
1: thanks for listening today become a patron listen to full friday episodes and get even more barca content from spain by following the link in our show notes barca talk is part of the blau podcast network and a Soundit media production with social media and promotion by two point go